But the reality is, is that we're all in a sales position. So I'm, I'm an analytics manager. I'm a MarTech implementer. I'm an analyst. There's a huge sales component to, to what I do, right? I, I need budget for software. I need budget to properly grow out my team. Uh, I'm an analyst and I want to sell the importance of using data to make informed decisions to the business. But it's all sales. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. Uh, so what's going on? Uh, productive morning. And even though I've got a ton done, I found some time to watch some World Cup. And uh, I'm playing around with the new texture steaming technique for my lattes. That of all places, I picked up uh, from a Instagram reel. <laughs> so <Okay. laughs> I'm trying a different way of steaming steaming the milk. Um, and I'm, I'm liking the output. So Nice, nice. Yeah. What about you? Uh, you know, yeah, just a productive day. We're recording on a Friday. We normally do this midweek. I didn't um, have a voice, so we had to delay. Yeah, no, no biggie. And I've actually, I'm actually thinking about maybe we move this to Friday afternoons or, or something. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm debating, you know. Wednesdays, uh, Wednesdays. I mean, it's a pro and a con because Wednesdays uh, are hell for me. I, I don't know how else to put it. Um, the, and the same for me, yeah. the podcast tends to be like the one, okay, I can just, you know, have some fun and decompress mm-hmm. a bit, but also maybe an hour free on a very hellish day might not be a bad thing. So, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I mean, it, to, to be transparent, we're recording this in the middle of December, uh, with the holidays coming up, it'll actually, uh, be, it'll debut in January. So, um, for those listening, we, you know, during, uh, the pre-show time, we were actually talking about, it. we're in 2023 planning at this yeah. point, taking the time in December when client work seems to slow down, client requests seem to slow down. I know clients were already on vacation. Um, so taking this time and closing out stuff from the current year and prepping for, for the next year. And yeah. one of the things that's been on my mind is, how do I structure my time to be the most productive? Um, and it's actually a skill I learned from John several years ago, or one of the skills I learned from John was guarding my calendar. Mm. Um, because for a large portion of my career up until about six years ago or so, someone put a meeting on my calendar. I'm like, yep, I'll be there. You know, unless there was like a hard conflict, you know, if someone put a meeting on my calendar, I'd automatically accept. It's weird how we've developed that uh, belief that, oh, someone sent me a meeting request. Well, I have to to go. I have to go. Yeah. No, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) Not by default. (laughs) Yeah. And how I approach it has changed and evolved over the years. Um, But I have become very, very guarded and I've become structured about my week. Um, so Fridays is, is no meeting Friday. Um, there are very few exceptions. I will say there are 
very few exceptions, but a lot of times I will have meetings on Friday if say something comes up earlier in the week and it's just, it's urgent to get it done. Um, there was a, a situation last week where there, I had a couple meetings scheduled on Thursday and I had a personal um, situation come up. So I couldn't be there Thursday. So I broke my own rule because I had to move the meetings. Like I'm the one who had to move the meetings. So I'm like, if, if people are open to it, let's meet on Friday. But other than that, it's, it's a very hard and fast rule. No meetings Fridays, no meetings Thursdays after at Thursday afternoons. But I'm, I am looking at my calendar and like my Wednesdays have always been my heavy meeting days, but to your point, it, it's become crazy. Like there are times like I'll have six hours of meetings yeah. on a Wednesday. Yeah, and by the end of the day, I'm fried. Yeah. And even halfway through the day, like I start to become less productive in those meetings. So it's how do I make my time even more productive? So taking it to the next step where I guard my calendar, but then really picking and choosing the meetings I'm in and even the ones where you say, you know what, I'll join and listen in and I'll just multitask. No, like I'm just, I'm not going to join. Like if I'm not needed there, if, if it's like, we would like you to be there, but you don't have to be there, then I'm not going to be there. Yeah. That sounds like being an asshole, but <laughs> I think that, that that's a way of being productive. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I think, you know, being protective of your calendar and just thinking critically about, uh, uh, do I need to be there? Am I going to add value? being there, then, you know, it's, it just creates a lot of, a lot of focus and a lot of being able to say no in a healthy way to having an overly scheduled calendar for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. So, so that, that, that's where we're at. And yeah, we've got another two weeks. I'm going to spend really thinking through it and this way, get a lot of this thinking out of the way now. So after coming back from the holiday break, being, you know, fresh, you know, having a chance to clear my mind, but I have all of those thoughts written down. So, you know, when I come back, I don't have to remember, you know, remember where did I leave off or what was I thinking about and trying to bring all of that back. Yeah. I have all of that out of my head. Yeah. Agreed. It's, I, I, and I'm trying to do the same. So, and plus, you know, we've, we've been there where we haven't done that. And when you come back from break before you know it, it's February. It's like, wait, we lost an entire month and haven't mm -hmm. really gotten started yet on things. Yeah. So, definitely helps to be prepared to I don't even want to say it hit the ground running <laughs> in, in January so you know what I need I, you know, I need like to add something to to StreamYard that like like a little sound that plays every time we we have a you know every time we mention a little business cliche did you uh did you watch the uh, DHL digital analytics summit uh, I watched parts of it. Yes. So I don't know if it was a, what did, what did I buy you? A stream deck? Uh, yeah. What was that thing called? Stream yeah. deck? Got it right here. Uh, so Frederick during the um, event had, I don't know if it was a stream deck or something similar. But but some similar device. Yeah, some similar right. device. And he was playing like audio clips and it was just, it was just awesome. Kind of added yeah. to the uh, overall feel of it. You, know, I'm you, gonna, needed, I'm you need on to my do list. that. Yeah, I'm going to put that on my list and actually like load up StreamYard with it. And then I can program the buttons on the stream deck yeah. to, to make those sounds, yeah. you know, like yeah. try to try to think of like a, a, a stupid noise to make every time we say something like, <laughs> you know, we're going to shift some paradigms, but we'll circle back to it, you know, in the new year. Just as long as we don't try to boil the ocean on that one, I think we'll be okay. Just, just let's put a pin in it for right now and actually get to the topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man.
Um, so, but yeah, actually, you know, I think that's a perfect point too to uh, to move on to our to our topic. So, in in our last episode, we had Stephen and Ashley Marshall on with us, and we had several things we wanted to talk about, and one we just didn't get to because the conversation just. It was that there was more content than time. I mean, we could have gone on for like six hours, I think. Yeah. So we are having them back in in a couple of weeks. Um, but Stephen said something um, that stuck with me. And it was on the, the topic of story and storytelling. He said, story is the glue um, for new information and facts. Um, and I, it made me really start to think about the concept of, of storytelling. So I want to start a series of episodes around the theme of, of storytelling. Mm-hmm. What is it? How does it apply to certain areas of, of our space specifically of business in general, and just, just in life. Um, so the uh, Merriam Webster defines story as one, an account of incidents or events and two, a statement regarding the facts pertinent to a situation in question. So that is the dry academic definition of it. But when to get, you know, mentioned like that's what, you know, that's how they define story. Uh, but if you take it, if you really start to think about it and contemplate it, um, storytelling is a very powerful part of the human experience and, and a key tool used throughout human history. Um you know, if you go back and you study ancient history, um, things were told and history was communicated through stories. Mm-hmm. You had the elders of of a community that would retell the stories over and over. So history was communicated through story. Um, today, um, the part, uh, you know, a, a key thing with any kind of experience is is story. And we're going to get into to individuals because I was about to talk about something, but I'm actually stopping myself from talking about it. Um, but ultimately what it does and why it's so powerful is that it provides a level of familiarity. Um, and when it's used effectively, it conveys information in a way that deeply resonates with all involved. Do you have any stories that you can share with our audience of when you had a mustache? Because I think you could grow a glorious mustache. No, I've never done the mustache. I've always had either the full beard or the goatee. Man, it's looking my good. Dad, my dad rocked the mustache really well. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's it's such a great topic, and especially coming off our, our conversation um, with the Marshalls, which was an incredible conversation. They're actually... Um, I think going to be out in Utah when this episode, this episode, I think airs for a storytelling festival in Park City. Um, it, it is, it is such a powerful thing. Um, if you, I, I shouldn't plug my own session, but if you listen to my uh, session at the DHL conference, uh, I talked a lot about the importance of being novel, being entertaining, being memorable. 
um, especially when we're talking about things that to us are exciting. But, you know, think about the broader business where we're droning on about, you know, statistical significance and this mathematical calculations and, you know, mapping data to variables in Google Analytics. It's incredibly boring <laughs> to most people, right? And I, I think back, you know, just think back through your educational history. You know, we've, we've all taken a lot of topics that for most of us could be pretty boring, and the teachers that have been able to take that and wrap story around it to make it entertaining, that it's okay, not only okay, it's it's actually a way in which we can learn better by engaging us through something incredibly engaging. I can't use engage, engaging, uh, incredibly entertaining to, to learn things about. And, you know, I think a lot about the, the topic of negotiation strategy. Um, it, it, it could be incredibly dry, Speaking of Seinfeld, which I was watching as we were queuing up this episode, there was uh, the episode where George uh, is supposed to give a presentation on risk management strategy, <laughs> and and he gets the the book on uh, no, he gets the audio audio book for it, and it's just like in his own, it's actually him reading it in his own voice, um, but just like very like man monotonous and droning on. It's like I don't want to sit and listen to this, and I so I think about uh, the book never split the difference. It is such an incredibly entertaining, memorable book because he's taken a subject that can be incredibly dry and made it so engaging and entertaining. I think I read the entire book in less than two days. I couldn't put it down. A yeah. book on negotiation strategy. Yeah. Cause he brings in stories, stories from his past to make what he is saying, which is very dry fact in some cases or you know it, you know to kind of re um reinforce the skills that he's walking you through and it's great that you bring up negotiation because on this particular episode i want to specifically look at sales mm. um, and storytelling and and sales um because it was it was several years ago i was in a pre-sales engineer role and I had always seen sales um, as you know, within that role as you just you, you just go through and you show the features. Oh, this button does this and this button does that. And I was working with someone who spent the time like, no, like you need to wrap a story around it. You, you don't just show every button because not every feature is applicable. Do your research ahead of time. Find out what the prospect, what their key use cases are, and then craft a narrative around how those features apply to them. And it was, it was like, it, it was one of those epiphany moments in my career. It's like, dumbass. Like, <laughs> you know, it, 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 after the fact, it seems like incredibly obvious. Yeah. And those people throughout my career that have been successful in sales, whether it's retail sales, B2B sales, they know how to craft a story. Yeah, we've we and I think we've all sat in at some point in our career a demo or a sales call where they were just droning on and on and on about features and this is you know and it is so incredibly boring and it could be something incredibly interesting and positive that we're very interested in but the way that it's presented you're just sitting there like looking at your watch like is this thing almost over yet like I can't drag this on anymore any any longer um the, the very best ones that I've sat in on, yeah, have taken that approach of we're not, we're here to, we're here to entertain. 
And and it's okay to accept that. I think I think the reason why so many people shy away from it is they feel like if we put that entertainment factor on what we're doing, it diminishes the fact that there's actual substance to what we're doing, mm-hmm. which I think is a fair concern because we've seen our fair share of sales and marketers that, you know, tell a really great story, get people super excited, but then you pull back the covers a little bit and you're like, wait a minute, there's nothing here. Um, and so I, I definitely get people's worry and concern that they're just kind of putting window dressing on a vacant building. But the fact is, is that when you have substance and you have something incredibly valuable that you want to share, thinking about it from a entertainment storytelling perspective actually increases your ability that your audience is going to engage and actually understand what it is that you are trying to, to get across in your message. So, um, you know, I think that's that's a fear a lot of us, myself included, have to get over because I've definitely thought about that, whether I'm putting together a document or I'm meeting with a prospect, like, uh, maybe I shouldn't make this so entertaining, you know, because it's going to take away from what I'm sharing. But it's actually the opposite. And when you have substance there, it just makes it so much more powerful. Yeah. And it, it also, to, like, to, to my point earlier about familiarity, it shows that you're familiar with who you're talking to years ago. Um, we were on sitting in, and this was before my time at 33 sticks. This was another company. We were sitting in with a client on a sales call from a marketing vendor. And you could tell they did no homework. It was just a spray and pray kind of call. And they started going through like use cases and trying to tell a story about when your customers add to cart and when they do this and when they do that. And we're like, they're not e-commerce, they're lead gen. And like, it's a lead gen site. There's no cart, there's no transaction. So, you know, immediately, like there was no level of familiarity and you could tell it was just some generic demo that they sent up, set up and we're just trying to run through yeah, and I think that highlights the importance that that storytelling, um, creating that entertainment factor, can't be done in isolation of having done your prep, your homework, you know, providing a meaningful message. And again, I think that that's either the path that too many people go down, thinking, "Well, I can be entertaining. It doesn't matter if I'm just bullshitting," you know. It is a problem. And it also addresses the people's concerns that actually do have something valuable to share and worry that making it entertaining devalues what it is that, that they're sharing. You absolutely have to come prepared, um, do your homework, and and make sure that you're you're actually presenting something of, of meaning. Because I've seen it too. We've seen this recent trend, maybe not re- recent, maybe the past few years with email marketing where people are trying to be entertaining, but they're doing it without having done their homework. And so it just comes across as incredibly, I'm almost embarrassed for them, right? But take that same approach and have done your homework and tailor the message and make it entertaining. Just think how hard that would hit, right? But eh, we can't do that. It doesn't scale. (laughs) You know, it's like, maybe the things that you say can't scale should be a challenge for you to try to scale the unscalable because these things work, right? And 
maybe you can't scale it to the same volume, but you're going to get higher conversion. You're going to get more buy-in. The people that are attracted to your message are going to be, and we're talking from a sales perspective, more likely to buy from you. So what's the difference if I couldn't scale this to 10,000 people that weren't going to buy from me? Maybe I only scale it to 100, but five of them buy from me. Isn't that better? Yeah. And aside from like the, the excuse that it can't scale, what pushes people to just have something, something generic, you know, not focusing on the story that they're trying to tell with the product. And I'm not trying to give away my next question after this. Um, but let's talk about that for a second. Like what is the draw for people just to have something generic and like I said, early, you know, several years ago, many years ago in my career, you know, I thought a demo was just like, just show all the features, you know, you know, don't you see what these features do? <laughs> well, I think you answered this question, uh, in the, in the green room before the show where you were talking about, um, do I show up to this meeting and multitask? Just think of how many different things are distracting our attention. And, and if nothing else, if I can't be entertaining, I can't hook you with something that's going to engage you in what I'm talking about. Chances are, you know, Jim's mind is off in another direction. Like, Man, I really need to go and do that. You know, so if if nothing else, you know, just sitting down and running through the demo, showing the features is is simply not going to be good enough because our audience is incredibly distracted. They're working from home, they're working in the office and they've got their laptop up and they're, you know, loading up videos on TikTok on their phone while they're monitoring and sending emails on their lap. There's so many things that are just gnawing for our attention that if, if, if I'm in there trying to sell, if I'm in there trying to demo some new software and I'm not doing it in a way in which I'm trying to entertain, man, unless the product is the most incredible earth shattering product in the entire, you know, universe, then our, our ability to engage an audience that is so easily distracted is going to be incredibly difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do you know who some of the best salespeople are that incorporate story? Former actors. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. A lot of times car salesmen. Mm. Think about it. What is the one tactic when you're there for a car and you're on the fence what do they do i don't know i haven't bought a car in a long time take you for a test drive ah yes come yes. on in don't you see yourself like, come on let's go take mm. it for a test drive here are the keys come on get in here let me just show you a couple things you know okay you 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 have this car you know a couple things have been moved over here but picture yourself exactly you know? <laughs> do that yeah it's like think about yourself driving Oh, you said you have a kid. Look at this feature. Or, you know, like, think of this, think of that. Um, so you're ready for some podcast inception? Okay. Um, I was just thinking of, of a story to tell. Um, and it was back uh, right before summer started, I bought a new truck. Yes, um, you did. I did. And the truck I had before I had for like 10 years, and it was before I had a family and, you know, just had the little jump seats in the back. And when we first got married, it was fine. Um, and then when the kiddo came along, I was like, okay, I need to start thinking about something, uh, get, getting something new. And I was able to use it for a while, fit the car seat in there, but like 
it can only be me and my son or me and my wife in there. Like all three of us couldn't go anywhere because with the car seat in there, the passenger seat was all the way up. And even as he was starting to get a bit bigger, being in, you know, having the car seat and the jump seat was becoming less and less safe. So I knew I needed to get something. And I just happened to go take my car in for inspection. And I was like, let's go see what they have on the lot. And they had one that was like, perfect. It had everything. And again, it was the minute we got into the test drive. So I'm driving like, oh, this feels good. This is nice. <laughs> I like where these things have come in 10 years. You know, he's like, yeah, think about this. Think about that. You know, you got the full bench in the back now. You could do this. You know, as your son gets older, you could take him and friends places. It uh, He put me right into a story. Yeah, I could immediately, like, with some of the other features, I'm like, oh, this is perfect for family road trips. We could do this. We could do that. It's got a roof rack. So between the bed and the roof rack, we could take all the stuff with us. And it does. It sucks you in. So if you think about it, like a really, really good uh, car, you know, per person who sells cars, they know how to put you right into, into the story. And so if we flip that to, to say our space specifically in sales, you know, if you're working in digital analytics, you're working in services around that, you're working in marketing technology, you know, if you really want to hook someone, you know, think of a story that you could tell them that would would put them right into the mindset of, of using the tool so so two things and i'm going to come back to that one but you're absolutely right on the car thing because once you brought it up i instantly thought of the story in my head when i bought my jeep uh, i remember the guys like let's let's take it for a test drive and we pulled out onto main street but i think he purposefully pointed us towards the mountain and he said okay now imagine you're driving this, you can see the mountain, like you pull off, this thing can go on the dirt. So you don't even need to be around the rest of the public that's up there at the parking lot. You can go find your own little destination up there in the mountain. And maybe you like make a little fire and hang out. How amazing. I'm like, yeah, let's go back on and sign the papers. Like, let's do this thing. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, on the, it, it, it's, it's, it's even more true on kind of what we're trying to sell and, I've been part of sales calls in the past where I didn't know that I could do sales, um, where the salespeople were talking about now, now think about how cool this is. We have like 50 EVARs that you can map this data to. So we have EVARs and props and like, you're going to throw this code on your page. I'm like, this is so dull and boring and doesn't make sense. Right. And, and especially to executives that are like, what the hell are you guys talking about? So the, the ability to abstract that, not dumb it down again, not, not, not focus on the substance, but find a way to communicate with your audience through story in a, which in a way that what you're trying to sell is going to resonate with them. It, it is such a critical part of, of what I do um, doing sales for 33 sticks is that predominantly the people that I'm selling to aren't necessarily the people that I hand off to Jim and team to, to do the work. And so they're typically abstracted a couple levels above that. And if I were to get down in the weeds and start talking about like all these technical details around how we do analysis and how we structure AB testing, they're going to be so incredibly bored and they're like, how much longer do I have to talk to Jason? Cause this is so dull. But if I can create meaningful story around it, how it's going to be transformative for their team, how their team's going to be so much happier and they're going to be able to, you know, do all these really fun and memorable things. All of a sudden it's a completely different conversation. They're engaged. They're excited. 
you know, they want to buy, right? Because now it's something incredibly meaningful and exciting to them. And that, and that can be hard to do with subjects like this, where again, you know, these details are exciting to us, but to most people, it's pretty boring. Sorry, I didn't realize I was on mute. Um, but the thing is, is when you use story effectively, you don't need to tell and talk about 50 features. Right. You need to pick three. Pick three key things that are important to your prospect that your tool does and put them in the driver's seat of it, of it, how it'll solve their problem and not just solve their problem in like in a dry way, but like, like something that they could like, Oh, that would be great. You know, think about it this way. Like, yes, our tool, you know, what sounds more appealing. Our tool has a real time connection to the rest API of your CRM <laughs> and we can send X email x number of files per hour and x number of records at a time or the yes we're ha we're able to have a live connection into your email program where we can send card abandonment data every hour so within the same day you can send an email to customers that have abandoned products in cart with a promo to get them to come back yeah what's what's yeah, more appealing night, night and day difference right yeah. but so many default to that first one and i think I don't want to call it lazy because I get in trouble when I call salespeople lazy, but let's be honest, a lot of sales people, you know, whether it's biz dev, SDR, or sales execs are lazy. They're just trying to do the bare minimum and crank as many people through their funnel. So a few will fall out. Um, and they're just not willing to put in the work needed to, to customize that in an entertaining way. And it doesn't have to be difficult. I'm not talking about doing 50 hours of research, just, carve out a little time to do something meaningful. And by the way, your recommendation on the three items that uh, do you lifted that you stole that straight out of Bob Iger's masterclass. I did. Yeah. <laughs> right. Cause he, he, he talked about it when he was being um, considered to be initially the CEO of, of Disney. He talked about um, his strategy for going to the board. And he had like this list of 30 things like, I'm going to do all this stuff. And I can't remember his friend within one the, of his mentors, one of his mentor. about mentors previously. Yeah. One of his mentors said, you're going to bore the shit out of the board. <laughs> yeah. He told him that, right? Yeah. He's like, you got to boil this down to just a few items and make it really incredibly entertaining. Otherwise, like these people are going to be bored and they're not going to want to pick you. Yeah. No, I did. And so a quick aside, quick tangent, there are three great masterclasses to watch. You already mentioned Chris Voss. Mm -hmm. you, you think the book is, is great. Masterclass the, is great. The masterclass takes it to the next level. Yeah. My brother-in-law loves it. I've watched it multiple times. It's great. The Bob Iger one is great. And mm -hmm. again, the, if I took one thing away, it's the, when there's a list of things you need to see done, you can't go with a list of six, eight, 10 things you need to focus on two or three and you need to pick the three, the two or three that are most important uh, because you can't, you can't do everything. Yeah. And honestly, the, the, the next one is, and they debuted it back in the summer, Metallica. They really? On it. Now it's on music creation, right. but they get into like conflict and how to get, be creative and still have conflict as part of a band. You know, they get, mm -hmm. the, it is definitely more toward, the arts uh, and creativity side of masterclass. Cause you know, they've got photographers on there. They've yeah. got uh, writers on there and other musicians. So it does go into a bit of like the music writing piece of it, but a couple of things I lifted from that. Now, granted I'm 
a huge Metallica fan, but they do get into how they divvy things up amongst the band, who starts with what, mm. uh, how they write music together as a team, how they resolve conflict when there's creative differences. It's honestly, it's interesting. Phenomenal. I'll have yeah. to check it out. I, I, I didn't even realize they had a masterclass on there. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, like kind of going back to what you were talking about, you know, people think to tell a story to, to a prospect or, or even a client, say you're working, working with a client and you're, you're trying to resolve an issue. You see opportunity to, to grow the, the relationship while it may seem lazy to focus on just the, the dry cold facts of like, we need to do this. We need to do that. Honestly, if you boil it down to two or three things and wrap a great story in it, like, yes, let's go back to that example I just gave about like the, um, the, the connection between two platforms and one being an email, email platform. Oh, okay. So right now you have to manually pull this data and upload it to your CRM to run your, your card abandonment program, or you want to have a custom abandonment program. Well, here's how our system can solve that. So how many hours a week will that save you? Imagine, you know, let's go back to the, the, the test drive uh, example. You know, imagine what you can do if you weren't manually transferring data between two platforms. And I'm going to go, since you brought up music, speaking of the how powerful story is, um, do you remember the story of Van Halen and the brown M&Ms? Yes. How, how boring would it have been if someone told that story and said, look, the Van Halen show state, you know, stage show is incredibly complex. And so in order for them to ensure the safety, they have this really robust checklist of things that they run through and the rigging is have to be like blah and go through all the technical details of it versus. So let me tell you a story about Van Halen being really, uh, really needy about having to have M&Ms with no brown M&Ms in their dressing room. You know, like these guys would throw a fit if they didn't have brown M&Ms. And oh, by the way, the reason why they had that in there is because in their contract, they said no brown M&Ms. And if the person reading the contract wasn't reading it at a detailed enough level to notice that, then we're worried that they don't have enough attention to detail to actually put our stage up in such a way that ensures which one is more memorable. The latter, right. of yeah. course. And, and so I think, you know, that's such a great example about the same exact thing focusing. And, and again, I think it's really important that we, we um, avoid thinking about dumbing it down and missing the meat and skipping the details. That's not what this is about. It's about taking incredibly complex topics and sometimes topics that can be incredibly dry and finding a way to make them memorable by creating a narrative and a story around it. Um, And and part of that too is, is, and part of it being memorable is that the story creates this familiarity and interest. It makes it interesting because you're right. Like the, the Van Halen story adds it, you know, you're getting into the, the, the finer details of how they want the stage to be set up, the, the level of detail and the level of care they want with the stage. Or the, yeah, the way they put someone to the test is if there's brown M&Ms in the, in the dressing room, what else didn't you do? Yeah. And, and, and not only that, it creates a shareability factor to it. 
which is 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 also key to what we're trying to do from a sales perspective. So if we're droning on about like the features and we're just kind of going through the motions of the demo, how shareable is that versus telling a story that's engaging and is repeatable? Like I may not have all the details of the brown M&M story, but I have enough to be able to go to my boss and tell him about the brown M&M story. The same with us in, in from a sales aspect, whether we're selling analytics software or services or something else, we, we want to sit down with our prospects and we want them to walk away with a story that they can then go retell to their boss or their boss's boss about why, you know, we need to hire 33.6 because let me tell you this story. Dot, dot, dot. And they do the job for us. It takes someone like me that can't sell and lets me sell. Yeah. Well, I mean, muscle. you bring up a great point about taking it to your boss because ultimately the person that you're selling to has to get budget approval from someone else. Yeah. So think about it this way. If you're just talking about just dry features of a button does this so much data per hour can be transferred. If I come to you with something and I say, yeah, they've got a great button. When you click it, I can do this. Or um, I'm able to, to send x number of rows per hour with it you're gonna be like great what what does that mean mm-hmm. whereas if i can come to you and say with this tool um i'm going to be able to save on average 10 hours a week because they have this feature which automates these three things that i do manually every week and i've already quantified that I do that, you know, it, it takes me 10 hours a week to do. Again, it, going back to that example, the one of telling, you know, telling your prospect a story that they can then relate to somebody else, it, 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 it smooths out a lot of it. It, 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 it makes that, it, it helps that person become part of your sales team as well. If you get them home Absolutely. and they get excited about it and they can relate how this tool, how this service will improve the business, will improve their team, will improve the business, your chances of selling, you know, of closing a deal have just gone up tremendously. Yeah. And we're talking about, you know, selling products or services to prospects, but the reality is, is that we're all in a sales position. So I'm, I'm an analytics manager. I'm a MarTech implementer. I'm an analyst. There's a huge sales component to, to what I do, right? I, I need budget for software. I need budget to properly grow out my team. Uh, I'm an analyst and I want to sell the importance of using data to make informed decisions to the business. But it's all sales. And so yeah. and so that's why I, you know, going back to Chris Voss and never split the difference, I will, I will, and I do recommend the book and the masterclass to everybody I talk to because the one thing I learned, and it took me a long, long time in my career, but I finally got there that every role is a sales role. And even, even outside of business, just day-to-day life, we're, we're all negotiating, we're all selling, you know, ideas, yeah. things, and what we're trying to get, get done. And so, you know, if you're, if you're listening to the podcast and you're like, well, Jason, I'm not in sales, so this isn't pertinent to me, you are in sales, you know? So let's just take the example of the analytics manager. And um, again, I, I've been talking about this quite a lot recently. Most analytics teams are underfunded and understaffed. So as an analytics manager, I have to now become a salesperson to market and sell and lobby for why I need the budget to properly grow out my team. 
And if I'm just talking about benefits and features and widgets and things like that, not only is it going to be dull and boring, um, it's not going to be shared. I'm probably going to get a no. But if I can make it entertaining, if I can create a narrative and a story around it that is engaging my audience, then my audience is going to do the job for me. They're going to go and say, oh, man, do you hear what Jason's building and this amazing stuff that we can do with this and that? And like, I now have this whole sales force within my organization doing my job for me of, of selling. And I think it's it's part of the, I mean, there are many reasons why analytics teams are so grossly underfunded and understaffed, but not thinking of ourselves in a sales role is a big reason why that's the case because we're doing a pretty poor job of negotiating and getting the budgets that we need. So if you're listening to this and you're in that position, I would challenge you to say, Hmm, how can I put a storytelling wrapper around this? How can I be more entertaining and create something that's shareable with my ask instead of just the, can I get the budget? Cause like, I really need another team member because my team is swamped. That's not memorable. Yeah. Well, I mean, truth be told, um, well, we were, as we, we were talking at the beginning about 2023 planning. Um, yeah. Part of it right now is, is I know I'm going to be coming asking for, some additional budget for some new software and some training. So it's, it's, it's how do I to the test? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I just can't come and say, Hey, can I get a license that is going to cost several hundred dollars to this? It's, you know, why, why, why do we need it? What is it? How's it going to benefit? And how do we see ourselves using it? So, so yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I'm in that exact position right now. You're right. You're, you always are in that position. <laughs> so, so I'll give you a piece of advice, uh, that, uh, one of my mentors, Evan LaPointe gave me yesterday in that when, when you're trying to do that, um, look for ways in which you can make it easy for the person that you're partnering with to say yes. So, you know, create this memorable, narrative story around what you're trying to do and talk about why it's going to make you more money, going to reduce your stress, going to make you more ha- you know, happier, going to be something really cool that you can play around with. And when you walk away from that, your, your goal should be really easy that I, I entertain Jason so much, not just from the entertainment perspective, but with the facts that it's almost impossible for him to tell me no. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so as we start to wrap up this one, um, we're going to continue on the theme of story and get into some other aspects of it. Um, so to, to wrap us up, what does all of this mean in the context of sustainable analytics? So bringing this back to sales, our space, digital analytics, and the, the concept of sustainable analytics. I love that question, especially this week, um, because again, going back to what I just mentioned, we're, we're all in a sales role. And if I'm sitting in a big enterprise and I'm sitting on top of years and years of tech debt, of overcomplicated MarTech stacks, of having tools on the shelf that we're paying for that we're just not using, I'm going to have to do a really, really good job of selling something that is not immediately visible. It's it's one of the reasons why so many projects in the analytics space get deprioritized or are defunded because they're quote under the hood. 
oh, you're just doing optimizations under the hood. Well, I can't see a shiny new paint job. I don't see really cool new window tint being put on there. It's, it's something inside the inner workings of the car that I can't see. Therefore, I don't want to fund it. And so in order to take what most companies are in, which is in an unsustainable state, and really pare that back and build something sustainable, you're going to have to do an incredibly good job of selling why I should be given budget for a project that's, quote, under the hood and not necessarily creating something flashy and new that the rest of the business can see. Because there really is a lot of flashy and new the business can see, but that's not how we go to the table to ask for money, right? We say, well, we need to build this so that we you know, can do maintenance better and we're more efficient and blah, 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 blah. We have to do a much better way of telling a story around why investing in sustainable analytics, even though a lot of that investment is under the hood and not directly visible to the rest of the company, is something that should be a no-brainer for us to do. And if all else fails, I'm going to plug it one more time and we got to put it in the show notes. I don't, I don't know if the individual clips are up yet. Um, I did that with our audience at the DHL Digital Analytics Summit. It, I could have just kind of done the features. And I think for that audience, they may have been like super interested, right? Like Jason's talking about a lot of things that make sense to me. I understand that this is meaningful, but I chose not to. I chose to tell a story and I told the story of why we believe sustainable analytics is so important um, by telling the story of the Lorax from Dr. Seuss um, and use that to make it memorable. And so when people are now coming and talking to me about, hey, I watched your present, it was brilliant that you included the uh, the Lorax. That's what people are going to remember, right? Like they're not necessarily going to remember all the details, but I guarantee you they went back to their bosses and said, you got to listen to this presentation from Jason. He talked about the Lorax and how it's related to analytics. It's awesome. That's shareable. Yeah, I will definitely include uh, a link to that. Cool. Uh, yeah, so this was th th this was one that I've, I've been looking forward to since our episode with Stephen and Ashley a couple weeks ago. And the idea of story popped into my head um, because it is like story is such a powerful tool um, when, when, when used and when employed properly. Yeah. Agreed. And again, cool. and again, I think, and I'll, and I'll, this will be the last thing I say. Um, if you've made it this far, um, thank you. And we're all in sales. We're all trying to sell something and being able to do that through story is critically important. So don't, don't write this episode off just because you're quote, not in a sales role we're, we we all do sales. Yep. Very well said. Cool. All right. So we'll go ahead and wrap up there for this week and we will catch everybody later. See ya. See ya. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.